So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Bring your greetings from Manchester, where God lives, by the way. <laughs> it's good to be with you. Thank you, Dave and Karen, for inviting me. I don't know how many of you were here the last time I was here. I was here last year, and it was an incredible time we had. Again, you were in the 21-day season of fasting and prayer, and it's just great to be able to just come in in this season you're in as well, and just add to what God's already doing here. And just as you heard, from the video, Matthew 7, 7 is the scripture that's the basis for what we're gonna be looking at. And I believe you've been looking at ask, you've been looking at seek, and now we're gonna be looking at what knocking is all about. Uh, but to set that up, uh, I wanna reference the last time I was here, I think we did talk about the Tabernacle of David, or you know, the Temple of Solomon. There are three stages to the temple. You have the outer court, you have the inner court, and you have the Holy of Holies. When Jesus said, ask or keep on asking and you receive seek and keep on seeking and you find a knock and keep on knocking and the door will open to you those three things that jesus said can be likened to the three dimensions in the temple in the outer court is the asking realm i'll call it the asking realm in the outer court what you're seeking you're seeking the hands of god in the outer court what gives light is just natural daylight right in the inner court, you don't have natural daylight, you have the candle lamps, they provide light. The word of God pr pretty much is where light comes from, speaking of just how God moves in the inner court. The inner court can be likened to not seeking the hands of God, but seeking the face of God. The knocking realm, I would liken to seeking the heart of God. Now in the stages of the tabernacle, uh, before you get into the inner court, you have the altar of incense, and the altar of incense speaks of intercession. To step into the knocking realm, it means you have to be brought in by the Spirit. Did you hear me? If you're knocking on a door, what does it mean? You don't have the keys. And didn't Jesus say to Peter, I give you the keys of the kingdom? Right? So if Jesus said to Peter, I give you the keys, the keys speaks of doors. And in that confession in Matthew 16, keys kind of speaks of revelation, access to realms uh, of God, and where God can speak and release his ideas and whatever you bind on that would be whatever has been bound in heaven. And so that's actually a dimension of prayer and intercessory prayer. However, in this whole idea of knocking, why is it knocking? I believe part of the reason why you have to knock is because to effectively pray by intercession, it's done by the Holy Spirit. Is anyone alive in this place today? Now, we can all get up right now. You can begin to pray in your natural mind. Oh yeah, Father, I want you to do this, and Lord, I'm asking for a move of your spirit. And that's okay. You're praying from your heart and your intellect. but. 
The most effective form of prayer I have found is not the prayer that's generated by my head. It's a prayer that's coming from my spirit. Now, the Lord's Prayer says, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That whole idea right there is intercession. That heart of God, the desires of God being manifested in the earth. To intercede is to stand in between. Is to access the heart of God and contend for what God wants to be done in the earth. Now, how many of you realize when you begin to pray, actually you get to places where there becomes a clash, a clash of your will and God's will. Because what God wants is not always what you want. And when there's a clash of wills, what we tend to find is many Christians end up praying their will as opposed to his will. And if you're praying your will as opposed to his will, can I just say this, the, the will of God trumps your prayer requests. And there are many times in prayer where your desire can become your idol in your prayer. It's very quiet in here. <laughs> How many of you remember Hannah? Hannah was crying out to God for a child. You know the story of Hannah in 1 Samuel? She is praying and saying, God, I want a child. God, I want a child. Now, she eventually ended up having a breakthrough. But the breakthrough moment came when she died to the very thing she was praying for. Let me show it to you this way. She was contending and crying out for a child, and she must have prayed for that many times her whole life. However, this time when the breakthrough was about to be released, or rather when the breakthrough was released, what caused that prayer to have impact was in the midst of the agony of heart, by the way, which is connected to intercession. Hopefully I'll touch on that in a bit. Agony of heart, there was a stirring in her. She said, Lord, if you give me the child, you know what she said? She didn't say, I'm going to bring him to church and dedicate him on a Sunday morning, and then I can take him back home. Now, how many mothers are in the room? <laughs> I used to think when I used to read that scripture as a younger person, thinking, oh, you know, I just had an image in my head of her bringing a child to church and dedicating the child, and that's the end of it. No, she didn't say she was going to dedicate the child to God. She said she was going to give the child away. I mean, I mean, think that's a big deal. You say, Lord, if you give this to me, I am going to give the child away. In other words, that's it. I'm not going to live with this baby anymore. I'm just going to win this, bring up this child, breastfeed the child, bloom the child, and give the child over to Eli, and that's it. That's, that's, that's a hard thing to say, especially for someone that's been craving. So what happened was the very thing she was crying out for was in such an exalted position, she shifted postures and said, Lord, you know what? I'm gonna just give it to you. What you want is what I want. Lord, if you give me this child, he's gonna be yours. And actually what was going on there was, Hannah was praying for a child, but heaven was pregnant with a prophet. So heaven was not gonna just release that child because Hannah said, oh Lord, I want. Oh Lord, I need. Something had to happen in Hannah that is like, you see, I'm a camera guy, right? I saw the camera guy. This is just an illustration that came. I saw a camera guy over there. I believe it's a Sony camera is using. Now, if you've spent thousands of pounds on a camera, like some of us do, <laughs> a cinema camera, right? And you spend like say, 10,000 pounds on a camera, right? And your friend just comes down and says, hey, can I borrow your camera, right? Just to, you know, film something in my home tomorrow. How many realize if it means a lot to you, you're going to think twice before you give it away? Why? 
Because you wanna make sure that whoever you're giving into values it the way you value it. Okay, or someone comes to you and says, oh, you know what, you know, James, you travel, and can I just babysit for you while you're out, you and your wife traveling? I'm like, okay, well, I want to know that you're going to value my children the way I do. So if I came to your house, and it's a mess, broken glass on the floor, moldy food in the kitchen, moldy stuff everywhere, and I come to your house, and it's all a mess, and you're like, oh, yes, I would love to babysit. Do you think I'll feel comfortable? Because by your lifestyle, I can tell you don't value you. What I value. In the same way, heaven has things it wants to release. There's so much on the heart of God that he wants to release, right? However, he's not just going to release it because you said at a church Sunday service, Lord, I want, Lord, I need. Because he's wanting to make sure you value what he values. And sometimes it allows you to get into situations, Hannah, that causes you to be barren, to draw out the hunger and desperation in you that actually aligns with the weightiness of what heaven is carrying. And so when your hunger drives you into the desert and you start to cry out, see now you're, you're beginning to appreciate the value of what heaven wants to release. And because heaven was gonna release Samuel, heaven was not gonna release Samuel into any common womb. It had to be a woman that valued Samuel. And so Hannah stepped into this mode where she accessed the heart of God. Are you with me? Many Christians are in the outer court seeking the hands of God. Lord, I want a, Lord, I want a car. Lord, I want a house. Lord, I want a spouse. And listen, we can tell your level of spiritual maturity by examining the content of your prayer life. For many people, the things you're praying for, a wealthy businessman can answer it. For many people, the things you're praying for, even the devil can give it to you. Look at the prayers in the Bible. You find that a lot of them are not, especially the New Testament, they're not to do with things of this earth. Fix your eyes on things eternal. So it's not wrong to ask for things, but many Christians, their prayer life are stuck in the outer court where it's just things. And then some of us transition from just things to seeking God's face. We want to know him in a deeper way. And as we begin to press into that, we realize there are things on his heart he wants to bring us into. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone, you're talking to them and they're on their phone? <laughs> Is that irritating? <laughs> Anyone does that in this room, hands up. <laughs> okay, we're gonna pray for all you who are lying right now. <laughs> why, why do you feel irritated? Because you don't have their full attention. You, you can't share deep things from your heart with someone that's distracted. So to access the knocking room, you have to knock. And one of the ways you knock is Romans 8, 26. And we're going to look at that right now. So oftentimes, when I'm praying, I start here. Romans 8, 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. I love the new, I think the King James says, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. So it doesn't matter whether you've got a degree from Oxford University or whether you've been to Harvard, or whether you're the most intellectual person in this room, whatever you studied and whatever you understand in the natural will not cover up your infirmities, your weaknesses. God has built into our framework weaknesses. God actually chose to remain in the spirit. John says God is spirit. Yeah, he created this world, and in this world, to function in this world, you need to have a body, a physical body, in case you didn't realize. <laughs> So God has given each of us, we have a spirit. And so for God to function in this world, you know how he does that? 
He works through our spirit. And so he has created this world to function in a way where for him to do what he wants to do in this earth, he has to find human beings who are going to align with his agenda. Was it not John Wesley that says, God does nothing on earth except in response to believing prayer? That's, that's a shocking statement from someone as insignificant as John Wesley. God does nothing on earth except to believe in prayer. So God has built into our framework weaknesses. And those weaknesses are often to do with, like, see, let me just read the scripture because it's going to make more sense. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps our infirmities for we do not know what we should pray. The weakness is to do with lack of knowledge. Are you with me? The weakness is to do with not knowing what's really going on in the realm of the Spirit. So God has allowed that weakness in all of us because that weakness is going to draw us to the place where we begin to ask Him, Lord, what is really on your heart? You're knocking. Lord, what are you feeling right now? See, many of us come to prayers with prayer requests. There's nothing wrong with prayer requests. But when you begin to enter the knocking realm, He is the one that gives you the prayer requests. You're not the one bringing your, oh, Lord, I want this, Lord, I want this. When you enter into that realm, you're saying, Lord, I don't even know how to pray. Help me to pray. And as you're acknowledging your weakness, he is then going to come and empower you to pray the way he wants you to pray. See, some of these things, you don't just know them intellectually. You know them experientially. So you might be hearing me going, I don't know if I get that. Well, you don't learn to pray by listening to a preacher and praying. You learn to pray by doing it. If you've ever tried to pray before, you're going you're gonna to know that you've got weaknesses, you've got infirmities, and that there are things you don't know. And this is why one of the most powerful things the Lord has given us as his people in enabling us to partner with his spirit is the ability to pray in tongues. Are you hearing me? Now, I mean, I, mean, I believe, I mean, your pastor's praying in tongues. I mean, I, I was thinking, I was standing next to him. They're like Pentecostals. You know, uh, <laughs> so the call, I'm like, wow, this, I, I, love, I love that atmosphere of being able to pray in tongues. You might be thinking, oh yeah, you know, what is this whole thing about th- tongues? I'm not, I'm not here to break that down. I'm sure past, your pastors can do that for you another day. But let me just help you to understand the significance of praying in the Spirit. Paul says, I will pray in tongues. I will pray with my understanding, but I will pray in tongues. So when you choose to pray in the Spirit, it's your spirit, as when you choose to pray in tongues, it's your spirit praying. Now, how many of you in this room pray in tongues? Hands up. Okay. If I were to say pray in tongues right now, you're probably going to start, right? Because you can activate it by your will. Now, that is your spirit praying. And um, for those of us who grew up in parts of the world where we didn't have constant electricity, we had these things called generators. Do you guys... Do you white people know what generator? I'm sure you know what generators <laughs> You know what generators are, right? You, you have to pull it, right? For it to kind of start to generate electricity, okay? And so, see, when you pull that generator, if you pull it the first time and the force you apply, right, is not strong enough, what happens is the motor, internal dynamo starts to rotate and then it rotates for a bit and then it stops. And then you have to pull it again and then rotate again and then it stops. See, that act of pulling it is 
by your, the act of your will, you choosing to pray in tongues. You're pulling that thing, right? Acts 1, it says, you shall receive what? You shall receive. Everyone shout that word. You shall receive. It didn't say you shall receive tongues. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. So every Christian has a deposit of power in them. But the Holy Ghost helps you draw it out. Are you hearing me? So when you start praying in tongues, you're accessing that knocking realm if you keep going. Now, you can start praying in tongues as an act of your will. And sometimes as you start praying in tongues, you can feel the resistance. Sometimes it's internal and sometimes it's external. As you start praying in tongues, you can feel, oh, <laughs> I need to repent. <laughs> Anyone knows what I'm talking about? Sometimes I pray in tongues, you check your heart, you're like, I feel like my heart is right with God, but the atmosphere feels really tough in here. And what I'm talking about? Because as you're praying in tongues, your spirit is being activated. So you're all of a sudden like a radar. You're, you're discerning the atmosphere you're in. Have you been to places and thought to yourself, it's so easy to pray here. And then you go to another place, you try to pray like, gosh, it's so hard to pray. Anyone knows what I'm talking about? Because there's something in the atmosphere. But when you begin to pray in tongues, it's like you pull that uh, generator now, the goal is not to keep pulling the generator, right? To pull Dymo. The, the goal is you apply enough force such that when you pull it, it um, activates the internal dynamo to move to maximum oscillatory motion. And at that point, the generator activates and starts to run itself. <laughs> Did you hear what I'm talking about? So when you, start to, when you start on the knocking realm, it's like you're praying in the Spirit, you're pressing in, you're wanting to seek the heart of God. However, if you carry on, you would get to a place where you, see, you get to a place where you become less uh, self-conscious and more spirit-conscious. And now it's not just you praying in tongues, it's the Holy Spirit giving you the language to pray. And this is what it feels like. It feels like a river. It feels like a flow. It feels like ease. And at that moment, you're stepped into Isaiah 40. You're mounting up with wings like eagles. In that realm where the Spirit is stirring the prayer, that is where effective intercession takes place. Because as you begin to pray, God starts to stir things in your mind. It could be scriptures. It could be words. And as you begin to pray those prayers, you're praying the desire, the heart. Of, I, is anyone hearing me today? I am not just talking theory. I'm talking experience. Many Christians don't know how to step into that realm. They start praying and they feel bored, they feel tired. If you're feeling bored, you're feeling distracted, it's a sign that you're still in the outer court. See, I have been in places where I have been praying for a while and I felt the boredom and the distraction and all that. And you know I'm talking, many of you know I'm about to stay here. And I thought I was praying for two hours, but I looked at the time and it was only 10 minutes. <laughs> That's a sign you're still in the outer court. But I've been in places where I have been, it's like I've pushed to the place where the internal dynamo, the spirit is activated within me. And I think I've been praying for one hour, but it's been three, four hours. And hours start to go like, I know this may sound kind of foreign to some of you, hours start to go like minutes. And I look at time, another hour gone. But it's, I'm, not, I'm not riding on my own energy and ability. It's the Spirit praying through me now. In fact, I'm not even finished reading the verse. <laughs> it says, for we don't know how we should pray as other, but the Holy Spirit. 
enables us to pray with groanings. Someone say groanings. Groanings are not just words. They're feelings, emotions, stirrings in the spirit. If the prayer is not moving you, why should heaven be moved? Some of you are praying out of obligation, not passion. Therefore, you can't step into intercession. You're just doing, oh, you've told you this. Your heart is disengaged from what you're doing. That's why it's always good to start by acknowledging, Lord, it doesn't matter if you've, been, if you've been an intercessor praying for many years. Lord, I don't know how to pray. Lord, I'm asking for your grace right now. Enable me, stir me, awaken me to step into the realm where I start to access your heart. Corinthians talks about this for we don't even know the things on the heart of God. The Spirit of God searches the deep things of God. And if the knocking realm is still the heart of God, there's only the Spirit of God that can get you into that realm as you align with Him. And the process of alignment takes time. For some people, it's just getting rid of all the distress. If you just had an argument with your wife, that's going to take you some time to overcome. Are you with me? That's going to maybe add another hour to breaking through. <laughs> So next time the arguments are staring up, think twice if you know you're about to pray next. Because <laughs> all these things, they impact on your ability to access his realm. And the more you align, your heart has been molded and shaped, then he, there's such an ease for the spirit to move through you. And I want to end with this. God is calling each of us to be intercessors. Some people think intercession is for some special people. There is no such thing as a gift of intercession. Can I just announce that to you? I've never seen that in scripture, the gift of intercession. There's a spirit of grace and supplication, but there's no such thing as a gift. Because if you think there is a gift, you're going to look at me, and I get this a lot online. People send me their prayer. Oh, James, pray for me, pray for me. Because they say I do lots of prayer, pray for me. I'm, your, your job is not to outsource your prayer life to me. This is a DIY ministry. Do it yourself. I'm not, I am not against people. I'm not against asking for prayer. I'm just saying God wants you to begin to do this yourself. So if you think I've got the gift and you don't, then that means you're going to count yourself out and not realize you're called to the same ministry. Jesus is an intercessor. The Holy Ghost is an intercessor. Two-thirds of the Godhead intercede. And you think intercession is for some, for some old lady at the back of the church that has nothing else to do? Jesus spent 30 years on earth preparing for ministry. Three and a half years he did ministry. Over 2,000 years, he's still doing ministry, intercession. So let's, let, let's do the maths. 30 years preparation, three and a half years ministration, over 2,000 years intercession. God himself does it. And because we're made in his image, man ought always to pray and not faint. There's a prayer engine within your spirit. Stir it up. There is an intercessor within you. Wake up the intercessor within you. I'm just gonna invite the band to come up right now. As we wrap up, I want you to realize this is not something for some high and lofty, spiritual, you know, perfect Christian. Every single one of us in this room has access to these realms of intercession and prayer. And some of you are praying in your own strength. Now you need to access God's strength. There's sometimes I've been praying in the spirit and I've stepped into a place where the, the, what I'm just explaining to you starts, the flow of the Spirit, and new tongues start to come out of me. I don't know if you pay attention to your tongues. I notice when I pray in tongues, even in public, and we're praying in, in a prayer meeting, my tongues sound different to when I am on my own. And 
And so as I'm noticing these tongues, this just happened a couple of weeks ago, I think. I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to search Google. What does this word mean? Oh, thank you. What does this... Is this on? One, two. Yes. I, I, I said, I was just going to search Google. Lord, what does this word mean? Out of just interest. Because it was so unusual, some of the tongues. And I found that I was speaking Latin. I was speaking Greek. I was speaking Ukrainian. And the words were quite interesting. Because the Holy Spirit was praying through me what I needed in that moment. Anointing. Freshness. Rule. Power. I, I'm, I'm seeing this. And there are all the times where I've been praying in tongues and people have said, Oh, you spoke this language and I didn't know. But when I saw that, I'm like, Lord, I'm going to pray in tongues some more. Because <laughs> faith is being stirred. Because the Spirit is activated within me. How many of you want that reality? Yes, I don't know about you, but I want to step more into it. Stand with me right now. We're going to sing this song. As we posture our hearts in response to the Lord this morning, we're singing, let your presence overwhelm us. Let the reality of heaven come. Awaken our hearts, Holy Ghost. Pray through us. Take us into the knocking realm, into the realm where we step into the Holy of Holies and your spirit starts to pray through us. <laughs> 